Hello, and welcome to this message from Calvary Albuquerque. Today, our special guest speaker is Franklin Graham, President and CEO of Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Franklin also oversees Operation Christmas Child, a program that has distributed over 100 million shoebox gifts to children who need to see the love of Christ. We pray that God uses this message to encourage you to reach out to others in the name of Jesus. If so, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. And if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can give online securely at calvaryabq.org slash giving. So let's join this special service from Calvary Albuquerque with Franklin Graham. Um, our speaker today is a good friend of mine, and he has been a friend of mine for many years. It was in 1973 that I heard his father, though I'd heard him many times before, but that's when I made a commitment to receive Christ. So Dr. Billy Graham led me to Jesus Christ in that year. Uh, Franklin Graham, our guest speaker, has also, he's been around the world and has spoken, shared the gospel with millions of people in hundreds of countries. But perhaps what he's known best for, though he is an evangelist in his own right, is the relief organization called Samaritan's Purse. He's known for helping the poorest of the poor. Whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a flood or an earthquake or the Ebola virus, uh, Franklin and his team are not far away. And uh, he has helped people in those times all around the world. What motivates Franklin Graham is his love for our Lord and his compassion for people. And those things drive him. And he is never afraid under any circumstance that I've ever seen him. He's never afraid to make a stand and boldly proclaim the gospel. And he's our guest speaker today. Would you give a special and warm welcome to Franklin Graham? to be with you today. Thank you very much. And thank you for your support of Operation Christmas Child. This is our, I think it's our 23rd year. Never dreamed that it would ever uh, be this large, uh, this many shoeboxes. And every shoebox is important because every shoebox gives us an opportunity to touch the life of a child and to do that in Jesus' name. You know, people sometimes say, Franklin, what's the most important thing to put in a box? It's prayer. If, if we know God will hear the prayer of one righteous person, can you imagine everybody who packs a box? Just stop and pray for that box. Lord, I don't know where this box goes, but I'm giving it to you. And we give it in the name of your son. And we just pray that you'll use this box to touch a child somewhere in the world. And that that child would come to know your son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. We know God answers the prayer of one righteous person. Can you imagine here, that's almost 22,000 people packing boxes and praying. Just think what God will do with people praying. Millions of people. This year we'll collect about 8 million, excuse me, over 10 million boxes. Can you imagine 10 million people around the world praying for the children around the world, what God just might do? Now, we've had all kinds of interesting stories over the years. About 10 years ago, I was here with Skip, and a girl comes to Skip's office and she asked to see me. So she comes in, and she comes in, and she says, uh, Are you Mr. Graham? 
Well, I knew she went from Albuquerque. Uh, so um, I said, I am. And she said, uh, she said uh, 10 years ago, she said, I was a refugee in Bosnia, from Bosnia in Croatia. And I was living in a refugee camp, and it was a cold winter day. And we heard that some people were coming, and that they were bringing gifts. And she said, we were so excited, but they didn't come that day. And the next day they said, well, they'll be here tomorrow. We were so excited we couldn't sleep. Well, tomorrow they didn't come. Well, they said, they're coming the next day. We were still excited. And she said, and you came. And she said, it was cold. And she said, I got my box, and I remember opening my box, and everything was clean. Everything was new, and there was a doll. And I took that doll, and I held it, and it meant so much to me. She said, but the... The fact that there were people that cared, that people hadn't forgotten who we were and the problems that we were facing. And she said how much that encouraged us to know people were praying for us and caring for us. And that shoebox meant everything in the world. She said, I've now, I've immigrated to the United States. She said, I live here in Albuquerque, going to the University of New Mexico. She said, I got a job at Walmart. (laughs) She said, I packed my own box. And she said, Mr. Graham, she held it out like this. She said, would you take my box and give it to a girl like I was 10 years ago? And I took the box and, of course, thanked her. Uh, We've had children get adopted from Operation Christmas Child. We had our first just a few weeks ago. A, a, A young boy 14 years ago by the name of Tyler. And uh, Tyler Wolf from Idaho. And Tyler uh, packed a shoebox, prayed that as God would take that shoebox and he would use it to touch somebody's life. He was so excited to participate in it. And he put his picture in the box. A little eight-year-old boy standing there with his pressed Wrangler jeans and his white cowboy shirt. And he was holding a little lariat and a, you know, one of those little ropes in his hand. So... Uh, he mailed his box and it sent off and uh, a little girl in the Philippines she got it and uh, because of Operation Christmas Shout, she found Jesus Christ as her savior her father accepted the Lord uh, he later became a pastor and um, as she went through this box she was looking at all the gifts but there was this little picture of this little boy who gave the box and, and on the back was his address so she wrote him to thank him and then to tell him how she came to faith and how her father came to faith. And she wanted him to know, well, the letter never got through. Uh, She never heard from the boy. And she always kept that picture. And she kept that in the bedroom of, of her little home that she lived in there in the Philippines. And then here comes Facebook. And then she thought to herself, I wonder if I can find this guy on Facebook and thank him. So she typed in his name, and there are quite a bit... A few names that came up, but only one Tyler Wolf from Idaho. And, of course, his picture didn't look like anything like it had been ten years earlier, a little boy standing there with his rope in his hand. This is now a young man. And she thought, I just wonder if that could be him. I want him to know. So she clicked on she wanted to be his friend. Of course, he's in Idaho, and he sees on his computer this girl in the Philippines who wants to be his friend. Who in the world could that be? course, curiosity, you know, he just, okay, he had to know. He hits the button and they become friends. And they begin to communicate. And 
sure enough, he was the guy that packed the box. And she told him how her father had come to faith and how she had come to faith and all that it meant to them. And they started communicating quite often on the, on the Facebook. Pretty soon they were talking every day to each other. Finally, he just had to go meet her. And he saved up his money. He had a job. and bought a ticket and went to the Philippines. And it was love at first sight. And so they got married in October. They, um, they asked everybody who came to the wedding, to the wedding reception, to pack a shoebox. And so on their honeymoon, they came through Boone, North Carolina, with a car full of shoeboxes uh, that they personally delivered to Operation Christmas Child. And so... I don't know, you know, I'm not a matchmaker. This is stuff God does, okay? So, but we see how these boxes touch lives. This girl came to faith. Her father came to faith. He later became a pastor. The boy that gave the box prayed, Lord, pray that this will give some joy to somebody somewhere in the world, never realizing that that joy would come back to him one day like a boomerang. And here they're starting their life together. But the greatest part of Operation Christmas Child is not just giving the box, but we try to to present the gospel with every box. And then we have a discipleship program. Uh, we, the children that receive Christ uh, during the year, we want to get them into a discipleship program where they can learn the Word of God. And it's a 12-week program, the greatest journey, 12 weeks. We do this through the local churches in each country. And these shoeboxes are the tool that we can give to a child to, to make a connection with that child. And it's a tool that the churches use for evangelism. And then the greatest journey is to take these kids a step further. They have to memorize Scripture. They have to take a test. They have to stand before the church and repeat uh, verses that they've memorized. Because we want to train them how to share their faith. And if you can imagine uh, a kid being a soul winner when he's 10, 12, 13 years of age, he'll be a soul winner all of his life. And this year we had close to 2 million children in this discipleship program. In 2015, we're doubling it to 4 million children with uh, the greatest journey. And we do this in about 120 different countries. We want to raise up another army of young evangelists. You know, I remember one time... Somebody said, you know, asked me, Frank, who do you think will take your father's place? I have no idea. But I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to train up an army of them. And I don't know if God's going to use that guy or this girl or that boy over there, but millions of them. Let's train them up through Operation Christmas Child to go out and to, and to reach a world with the good news that God loves sinners, that God sent His Son from heaven to this earth to take our sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins. He came to save sinners, and Franklin Graham is a sinner. And He shed His blood on the cross for each and every one of us. But yet God raised His Son to life, and Jesus Christ is not dead. He's not hanging on a cross like some people like to make a picture of him. He's not still in the grave. He's alive. He's right here at Calvary this morning. And guess what? He'll come into your heart. If you have never invited Christ into your life, he'll come into your heart this morning if you're willing to trust him and put your faith in him. I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning. We're going to be brief. Um, Mark chapter 10. And uh, this is uh, verse 17. Uh, There was a program on CNN back 
few months ago on the 60s. And I don't know if you all watched it or not, but I saw, I was kind of fascinated by it. It reminded me of things that I had forgotten. And of course, the, the war in Vietnam was a big thing in the 60s and, and drugs and sex and uh, the racial issues were all the big issues during the 60s and helped to shape that period of life that we were living at that time. But I thought about the restlessness of the 60s and I thought about the age and where we live today. You know, there ha- not much has changed. You know, the 60s, you had the war in Vietnam. Today we have a war in Iraq and Afghanistan. We got out of Iraq, but guess what? We're now back in Iraq and the country's been beginning to implode. And, and we see that, that there's not an end to this and we've been there for 10 years. And then we look at the, the 60s and we see the, the drug problem. And uh, so many people were turning to LSD and other drugs. And we have states today that are legalizing certain drugs. What's happening to our country? And then, of course, uh, during the 60s, this, the sexual revolution, and people were looking at free sex and, and uh, talking about love. And today you have uh, same-sex couples that some states are being permitted to marry. And our, our nation is is not getting better. And you look at the race problems, uh, just Ferguson, uh, and where we are today. Have we really come that far? If anything, maybe our country may be even a little worse in some some areas. Our country has problem, and the problem our country has is a sin problem. We've turned our back on God, and we are, we've turned our back on His laws. Our politicians don't acknowledge God. Our schools don't teach about God. We've taken God out of our society. And I don't have any hope for this country. I don't, listen, the Republicans aren't going to save you. The Democrats certainly aren't going to do it. Independents, they're not going to do it. What politician out there can, can turn this thing around? There's no one. The only way this country can ever be turned around is by God himself. And then uh, bringing his people to repentance. But there's a, a young guy in the Bible, and uh, it's in verse 17, chapter 10 of Mark. Jesus is now on the way to the cross. He's getting ready to shed his blood. He's getting ready to take the sins of mankind. All the sins past, all the sins present, all the sins future were getting ready to be laid upon him. He would become so ugly to the Father that God would have to turn His back on His own Son. And He was getting ready to do that because He loves you and loves me. And now He's on the way to the cross. And Jesus was on the way, on the way to the cross. A man ran up to Him, fell on His knees before Him. Good teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father, your mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then you come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. 
Jesus is on the way to the cross. He's focused now on what's ahead of him. And you have this young man who runs up to him. He's well-to-do. He has money, probably has some position, maybe has a good job. But in spite of all that, there was still this emptiness in his life. There was this searching, and he, and he didn't even quite know what he was searching for, but he was searching for eternal life. He wanted to know what one thing he had to do. And so he comes to Jesus, and maybe that's a question. You've asked yourself, what one thing do I have to do to make sure that my soul is secure, to make sure that my life will live for eternity in the presence of Almighty God? What one thing do I have to do? And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven. If you have never invited Christ to come into your heart, if you have never trusted Him as your Savior, if you're not following Him today as Lord, I'm going to invite you in a few moments to get out of your seat and come stand right here in front of this podium and we're going to have a word of prayer together and you can go back to be with your friends. You may be asking yourself, Franklin, I don't know why it is, but my life is upside down. It's in a mess. It seems the harder I try, the worse things get. My marriage is in trouble. I'm in trouble at school. I've got problems with the kids. You see, the problem comes down to sin. Sin has infected the entire human race. And the Bible says we have all sinned. We've all come short of God's glory. And the Bible says the wages of sin, that's the penalty, of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you see, death is eternal separation from God's presence. That's what the Bible teaches. Let's look for a moment to this young boy. This, this guy comes to Jesus. He's young, good-looking guy probably. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Just loved the guy. And he loves you. If you don't remember anything from this morning, remember this. God loves you. This young guy comes and Jesus says to keep the commandments. Which ones? And the commandments that he's able to keep are the commandments that deal with man's relationship to man. He had a good relationship with everybody around him. But the commandments that dealt with man's relationship to God, he failed every one of them. And Jesus didn't answer those. or He just brought up the commandments that dealt with man's relationship to man. And the boy said, well, I've done that. I've kept every one of those since I was a boy. But let's look at these just for a moment. Murder. This young boy hadn't committed murder. Murder is a sin. You say, well, Frank, a sin. You get locked up in jail here in New Mexico. Uh, you can't do that around here. They're certainly not going to let you come to church. Well, there's some of you here this morning, you're guilty of murder. You say, come on, Frank. Really? Yeah. Abortion is murder. And there's some of you ladies, some of you women have had abortions at some point in your life. And it's haunted you ever since. There's not a day that goes by you haven't thought about it. I want you to know that God will forgive you for that. Some of you men have supported your daughter or your girlfriend or your sister in an abortion. You're guilty too. But God will forgive you if you're willing to come to Christ. I had a, a lady a number of years ago, we were doing an interview. She worked for a New York magazine, and uh, she was um, an interesting person. But the interview went for several hours, and I was getting tired of it after a while. So I thought... 
uh, I'll ask her some questions. I just needed a break. I said, well, can I, can I ask you a question? And she says, okay. I said, well, where are you from? And, you know, what did your father do? I wanted to know just a little bit about her. So we talked, and she answered those questions. And then I asked her, I said, did you know that God loves you? Uh, she looked at me, and I said, did you know that uh, Jesus Christ died for your sins? And her eyes felt up with tears. I said, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever invited him into your heart? No. I said, would you like to do that? And tears started coming down her cheeks as she said, yes, I will. I said, would you like to do it right now? And she said, yes. So I took her by the hands and we bowed our head. And just She prayed this prayer with me. Uh, she, I said, dear God, she said, dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And I just prayed this prayer with her. And, and we said, amen. And she just had tears now running down her face. She said, I have to confess something. I said, you don't have to confess anything to me. God has just heard your prayer. He's answered. He's forgiven you. She said, no. She said, I have to say this. She said, 20 years ago, I had an abortion. Can God forgive me for what I did? It's haunted me every day of my life. There's not a day that doesn't go by. I haven't thought about what that child would have been doing at that moment if it had lived. Can God forgive me for that? I said, he just did. You're forgiven. Not only has He forgiven you, but He's erased it. He said, there's no record of it anymore. You're clean. You're forgiven. He loves you. And she took her face and she just buried them in her hands and she just wept and wept. And these were tears, not, not bitter tears. These were tears of joy for the first time in 20 years, knowing that this, this guilt had been taken off of her and that she had been forgiven. You see, adultery is sin. And any type of sex outside of a marriage relationship is a sin against God, all right? A lot of people in this room, you're guilty of sexual sins. And it's bothered you, the guilt of it. But God will forgive you and He'll cleanse you. Stealing is a sin. This boy hadn't stolen. Dishonoring your parents. He had not dishonored his parents. He was a good son. Giving a false witness is a sin. He hadn't done that. But now here's the problem. You see, God says, Thou shalt have no other God before me. This boy was guilty of letting money be the God of his life. And he put money on the throne of his life. You see, he bowed down to the idol of money. He was involved in coveting. He was guilty of taking God's name in vain. He didn't keep the Sabbath day holy. He put other things before the one true God. And you see, this guy was guilty. Of all of these relationships to God, he was guilty. And the point is, all of us are guilty. Every one of us here is we have sinned against God. Nobody's able to keep God's law, His standards. Franklin Graham is a sinner. Even if you had kept all of them, you're still guilty because you were born into sin. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission. That's why Jesus Christ came. Because there's nothing that we can do to rid ourselves of that sin. He had to come. Jesus Christ had to come. He had to take our sins to the cross. He shed His blood, His own blood for you and me. And all we have to do is be willing to accept it by faith. Isn't that tremendous? If we're willing to accept it by faith. You see, sin came into the world through one man. 
and has infected the entire human race. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God. You can't get to God through Muhammad. You cannot get to God through Buddha. You cannot get to God through anybody or anything except the Lord Jesus Christ because He's the only one in history to take your sins. No one else has done that. Christ took your sins and He died in your place. And Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Will you come to Christ this morning? Will you trust Him as your Savior? He came at the right time and He came to the right person. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Jesus Christ was on His way to the cross. And this young man comes to Him, kneels before Him. Good teacher! And Jesus plays with him a little bit. Oh, good? Don't you know that there's only one that's good? And that's God alone. What are you saying to that boy? You're right by calling me good. Because there's no one good except one. And that's God. And you're kneeling before Him right now. But the boy didn't quite get that. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Told him, you lack one thing. Just one. Go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Then you come follow me. But the young boy wouldn't do it. What good would be for a man if he could gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul, the Bible says in Matthew. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This young boy, what one thing do I have to do? Jesus said, you lack one thing. Get rid of this stuff that you've been worshiping. And you put me on the throne of your life. And then you come follow me. You see, that's what he wants from us. If you come to Christ, you've got to be willing to the sins. You've got to be willing to turn your back. Repent. You've got to be willing to turn your back on your sin. And go another direction. You say, but frankly, I don't think I can do that. You don't understand. You don't understand the power that sex has. You don't understand the power of drugs. You don't understand the power of alcohol. You don't understand my temper. You don't understand all of the... I, I just can't change like that. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. God will change you. The Holy Spirit of God comes into your heart, into your life. And He'll make you into a new creation. You'll become a new creature. But if we be after God, He'll give you a new stamp, a new spirit within you. But you have to make that choice. And this boy had the choice. Jesus, He asked the question. Jesus told him what He had to do. You see, God demands a change. If you come to Him, if you're going to accept and receive Christ, He demands a change. You've got to be willing to turn your back on your sin. You've got to be willing to follow Him. You just don't walk out the door of the church and go right back into your sin. No, He demands a change. And that's what I'm asking you here this morning. Will you put your faith and trust in Christ? Have you done that? Are you sure? You say, I think so. I ain't talking about thinking nothing. Are you sure? Are you confident that your sins... Are forgiven. The Bible says in Him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says in Corinthians, Christ died for our sins, He was buried, and He was raised on the third day. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You may never have another opportunity to come to Christ as you have right now this morning.
The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Do you believe? It says if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Are you sure you're forgiven? Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Are you tired of your sins and the burden of your sins? Would you like to have rest for your soul? Will you come to Christ? Jesus said, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. If you would like to have your sins forgiven, if you would like to leave this church, this sanctuary this morning, knowing that you're on your way to heaven, then I want you to do something right now. Uh, You're not doing this for me, but you're doing this for yourself. If you're here and you're not sure... Your sins are forgiven if you're not, if you haven't been living and following the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity right now to get it right and to do this one thing, to confess your sins to God, to tell Him you're sorry, and by faith invite Christ into your heart. I want you to just get up out of your seat wherever you are, make your way to an aisle, come stand here. We'll have a word of prayer together. If you came with friends or family, they'll wait on you. We'll be here just another moment or two. But this is between you and Almighty God. Are your sins forgiven? Are you sure? If you're not sure, do it right now. Just let's all stand and let's be in an attitude of prayer. Pray for the person beside you to your front and back, to your right, to your left. But this is between you and Almighty God. You come right now wherever you are. Come. My question is, are you sure? If you're not sure, you come and join those that have come. And let's have that word of prayer together and you make sure right now. Your sins can be forgiven today. You can be set free. You can have that assurance that you have eternal life. That's what this young guy was looking for. What one thing do I have to do? Well, I'm telling you what thing you have to do right now is you have to come to Christ. He came to Christ, but he didn't obey Jesus. He turned his back on him. 
Don't you do that this morning. You come to Christ. He loves you and He's willing to forgive you right now. You come. Just as I am so tossed about with many conflicts, many doubts, fights, and fears within, without a land of God, I come, I come. I want to say a word to, to those of you that have come. And by coming, you're saying to God, I'm a sinner. You say, but Franklin, doesn't God know that? Yeah, He knows that. He wants to hear you say it, though. And by coming, you're saying to God, I'm sorry. And I want to turn from my sins. And I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son. And by coming, you're saying to God, I believe that Jesus died for me. And that you raised Him to life. And I want to invite Him to come into my heart to take control of my life, to pick up the pieces of my life and put it together again. Okay? Let's bow and have a word of prayer. Just repeat this prayer out loud after me. Remember, a prayer is just talking to God like I'm talking to you. Okay? So let's pray. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son. I believe that He died for my sins. I believe that You raised Him to life. I invite Him to come into my heart. To take control of my life. From this day forward. Forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this special service from Calvary Albuquerque, featuring our guest speaker, Franklin Graham. Were you challenged with what you heard? Let us know. Email calvaryabq.org. And just a reminder, you can give financially to this work at calvaryabq.org. Thank you for listening to this special message from Calvary Albuquerque.